Definitely. One of the biggest news items for America's religious community in the last couple of weeks has been the death of popular Southern Baptist evangelist Billy Graham. Uh, as politicians and religious figures alike praise and honor his efforts and his influence, a, a bird's eye view of American culture over the last 80 or 100 years it shows a very different culture today from when he first took the pulpit. On our TW Now program for today, our program will ask the question, how has our society's thinking about religion and the Bible changed in these last decades? And what does it mean for us as a people? Welcome to TW Now. Today on our guest panel, we have two familiar faces. First of all, Mr. Dexter Wakefield, thank you for being with us today. And also Mr. Michael DeSimo. Good so, to be here. So thank you, gentlemen, for being with us on our program. Now let's start with Dr. With Ms. Doctor. Mr. Wakefield. Sorry, <laughs> almost, I just gave you a doctoral a degree. No, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Mr. Wakefield, um, tell us, how, how do you remember this, this public religious figure, uh, Billy Graham, uh, in your own memory? Okay, well, you know this is confession time for me. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, the, Billy Graham started his first evangelistic campaign in 1947, which is the year I was born in. Don't, don't do the math. Okay? Don't do the math on that. But uh, that's what he did. And I remember seeing him on black and white TV, kind of snowy TV in, in my home, growing up as a child, with this style that he had, this extraordinary style that he had for his evangelistic campaigns. I, I remember some of the things he said, I guess, but also his hand movements, what he did like this like that, hand movements coming down, and they were visible all around these huge arenas. So he took up a huge amount of space on that, and his style of speaking has influenced evangelists ever right. since then, sure. because now they are very active on, on stage, and it garners a great deal of attention. Um, our church grew, our faith grew a lot during those days as, as well, but of course, um, in, in a very different direction. Mr. DeSimone, how, would, how do you remember uh, Billy Graham uh, growing up as a child? Well, I'm younger uh, than uh, Mr. Wakefield here. <laughs> uh, so I, I do remember seeing uh, videos of him. Uh, of course, after he died, I, I looked up some more. And, and, you know, I'll tell you, just really a powerful speaker, uh, dynamic speaker. And, of course, he was really influential in terms of... Uh, the, the world leaders and, of course, our nation's leaders and just overall, you know, he filled those stadiums, like you mentioned. I mean, these incredible masses of people. Sure. And, of course, he had uh, people who followed him all over the world as now, well. Now, we want to say right up front for our audience, those of you who know us and those of you who read what we're about and you watch our our presentations, you realize that uh, doctrinally speaking, uh, our doctrines are very different mm -hmm. from uh, Billy Graham or other Southern Baptists. Uh, but be that as it may, we still are, are noting uh, him as a public religious figure and, right. again, using it to mm -hmm. uh, think about this, uh, this topic for today. Uh, Mr. Wakefield. I can also uh, note that the times are very different then, too. When I was growing up in the 1950s, I mean, Everybody went to church mm. on Sunday, and if you played golf on Sunday, people might look askance mm. at you for doing that. Um, you know, Sunday Sabbatarianism was, was very common in those days, and I suppose it is in some places still now. It's not that everything was wonderful, and you're looking back on it as a, with a warm glow, but things were different. 
And let, let, let me ask this. Okay, so how did he become so popular? How did he uh, gain this great following? What is it? 215 million people over the course of his life, as they supposedly he preached to. How, how did he become so popular? You know, I, I certainly think, like I mentioned, um, dynamic speaker. He was just very good at speaking. You know, these, the, like you said, just uh, he had it, he had it all right in that way in terms of the speaking style. I think that's a big part of it, truly. Mm -hmm. But also, uh, very likely. So while our doctrines do not, uh, you know, we, we do uh, diverge in our doctrinal beliefs with what uh, he taught, um, he taught in, in many ways biblical principles that these principles can resonate with people and it stands for something. That's the other thing. He stood for something. Um, he stood for what he felt was right about, you know, biblical principles and so forth. So let, let's take that to the world of, let's say, 80 mm. years ago. Let's talk about then. What, um, what was our culture like in those days uh, compared to today? This is what we're talking about. Well, for instance, Billy Graham held forth against sin. He never got a really got around to saying what it was very much. He didn't discuss that from a biblical context really much at all that, that I remember. But he did preach against sin, and people kind of knew what that was. Familiar uh, concept. Uh, well, it, was, it was a familiar concept. As sure. you say, people knew that so many of them went to church, so they had an idea of what Christian morality is. Whereas it's under constant attack from my secular society today. So, so um, in terms of the perception of the Bible or biblical script, or biblical scriptures, uh, that type of thing, what was that world like compared to our world today? You know, I, I think of, um, let's say, 80 years ago. Okay, obviously I wasn't around 80 years ago, but I, I can me think. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a break here. Almost, <laughs> almost. Okay, <right. laughs> um, there were ideas, concepts that we might say biblical principles in, in general that were looked at with a certain reverence uh, that our nation in even was founded on in, in, in certain aspects at least. And there was a respect for that. So let's say even in particularly the Bible, was there, how do people view the Bible itself then as opposed to now? Well, the Bible was authoritative in those days, and you, uh, very few people really questioned the Bible. Maybe some intellectuals at, uh, at the universities and so forth, but the Bible was an authoritative thing. But right. now it's under attack everywhere. Mm -hmm. They teach against it at the universities. You know, you could be sitting under a tree at your favorite university reading the Koran and be okay if you're there reading a Bible. It's almost a banned book. Right. Okay. It's a banned right. book. You look down and, on. And certainly in our schools, uh, but at our universities too. People may get to read a, uh, a few chapters out of Job or a little bit in Ecclesiastes as literature. Okay. But okay. not much else. It I, is not a, a source of moral authority. And it is under attack as a source of moral let me, let me add this. Now, one of our, our spiritual predecessor, I should say, for uh, us today was Mr. Herbert W. Armstrong. And uh, he taught from the Bible. And so uh, did that have an impact? I mean, did people uh, listen to what he said because there was a respect for the Bible those days versus today where people... You say we're calling into question whether the Bible should even have any meaning. So did that have an impact on Mr. Armstrong's 
uh, reception. Sure. When people heard, you know, when people heard what the Bible said, and they they heard from the 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 Word of God, they thought about it with respect. Whether lives were changed, maybe lives were changed, maybe they weren't, but there still was a degree of respect that they looked at it. How about individuals? Okay, so how about the Bible? What about someone who stood in the pulpit? Was a person like that given a res respect in a different way from today? How, how are people perceived? Speaking uh, I, of the pulpit. I, I would suppose so. just want to add to something that, that you just said. What's something that Herbert W. Armstrong said all the time? What? Don't believe me. Mm. Believe your Bible. Right. He never had to explain that. Okay. He never had. He didn't have to prove his statement to anyone. Okay, I got it. Believe your Bible, and uh, that's my source of authority. That is not assumed now. What? What? As, as uh, someone who speaks from the Bible, talks to people, um, how do people respond when you look to the Bible as a, a guide or point to a scripture? What, what, how, how do people respond? Mike. Look, mostly they run out the door. <laughs> okay. Uh, they, okay. Uh, okay. Uh, or, or scoff. They, they may okay. scoff right. at, at it. Uh, you, know, you should not be pushing your religion on me. Or they, they would respond very negatively. So we're talking about a, just a cultural perspective mm -hmm. uh, and, a, and a shift in that cultural perspective from Huge then shift. to today. Sure. Huge shift. So, but I want to get back to the idea of how people are perceived. Uh, those who stand in the pulpit today versus back then, how would you compare that? So let's say uh, back in the day, again, respected, um, a man of God. That, that, you know, that's something that may have come up, a wording that may have come up. Now, one thing we've heard, you know, bigotry, that's one thing that's come up. You, know, it, you mean in terms of bigotry in terms of someone who would stand in the pulpit and claim that something is a sin? I'm or what, saying what do you, what do you mean secularists by that, that uh, you know, let's say a secular ideology, uh, they, look, they might look at someone who's teaching from the Bible, they might look at that as intolerant, okay. they might look at that as bigotry, and, and it, of course then they become intolerant of that. Well, how, well so how, how have we gotten here though? Why is that the case? I mean, why is something that would be said from the pulpit today uh, received any differently than 60 or 80 years ago? What, what, well, what's, just, how did that just, just go to the base of it. Uh, it's the very basic principles. Um, in, in our world today, people no longer believe in God as, as existing as a real person or as a real personage or as a real being. So uh, it's very hard to say the Bible represents what God, God's word and what God says is right and wrong. Uh, for back in the 50s, that was not disputed. It was a foundational thing, a rock on which we built our ideas of morality. But now we've shifted from that rock to the shifting sands of human reason because mm -hmm. people don't believe really that God exists or they don't know, they're agnostic. So we've moved around to, around to a secular morality where we're inventing it on the fly. Okay. Uh, much of it is sociological. Um, so people are moving around trying to find a way to save themselves using human ideas of morality. Let, you know, let me just, for our audience's sake, uh, remind everyone in our, in our audience if you are enjoying the discussion, it, it prompts you to, to think. Uh, make sure that you like us or you add our channel to your, your, uh, your channels because. Um, 
it's great to have you involved in the conversation, as well as adding uh, questions or comments, and we'll try to address them as we can. And uh, so I just want to acknowledge that we do have an audience. And for audience sake, uh, let's jump back to this, but let's be, some, let's be more specific. What, so what are we talking about in specifics, in terms of cultural norms, things you do, don't do, that years ago, because of this culture, would be perceived differently today? What, what are some examples of those? Maybe the one, cultural shift, I yeah, should say. Maybe, let's say one example might be uh, divorce. Divorce, while in the past may have been hush-hush, uh, looked down upon, <coughs> now it is a very acceptable uh, okay. idea. Okay, another, another example. Just so we, we may, we're specific for our sure. audience, what are we talking about? Let me, let me well, let's... let's do some, do some larger, maybe a little larger okay. question here. Um, when people think about things like um, um, philosophy and religion and theology, words are their tools, so you have to use the right ones. And when we see new words appearing and new ideas appearing attached to them, it's worth a note. Mm. This, I have a, an article here that I saved from some time ago. This expresses um, comments um, appearing in the Wall Street Journal from um, William McGurn's column. Uh, here's some quotes from uh, Mr. Uh, Castro, Martin Castro, at the time was the chairman of the U.S. Commission of Civil Rights. I'm not sure if he still is, but just to give you a, a quote of, of something that he said here. Quote, the religious, the phrases religious liberty and religious freedom will stand for nothing except hypocrisy so long as they maintain code words for discrimination, intolerance, racism, sexism, homophobia, Islamophobia, Christian supremacy, mm -hmm. or any form of intolerance. Now, of course, in God's church, we reject harming or discrimination, mm -hmm. in harming any people, and we're not involved in politics. But just to look, any form of intolerance, what about intolerance for sin? Mm -hmm. If you preach certain things are sin these days, you can get taken off the internet, you can right. be mm -hmm. taken off the air, you can be called all kinds of names. But there's another big one here that I never heard of in my life growing up until just recently. It's the term Christian supremacy. <laughs> that means open expressions and any dominance of Christian morality within society. Right. This is deemed is bad. a bad thing. Right. So, bad so thing. now we've gone from, let's say, the religious community yeah. to, now we're talking about the political community, we're talking about uh, politics, uh, we're talking about government leadership. Sure. So well, we're, we're, now we're talking about a cultural shift, which is what we're addressing here today. What we're, what we're talking about is public policy against Christian morality and belief, which is by definition Christophobia. Do you do you think that Christians are discriminated against? Oh, let's let's use a broad general brush. Someone who would call themselves a, a Christian, someone who would speak out, identify themselves as a Christian. Do you think that they are discriminated against today? Okay, so pick a pick a place, workplace, right. uh, school, whatever. Pick a place. Right. So right now, seventy percent of the United States still thinks of themselves as Christians. So that's much, uh, it's still a vast majority of the United States, you know, feels that they're Christian. Uh, otherwise, and then there's a smaller portion that feels that they're, uh, they have some type of religion, let's say. But we have the media, uh, which, you know, I don't know the percentage, but it is very liberal, let's say. Uh, very left-leaning in that way and just despises 
openly despises, Hollywood openly despises religion, openly despises Christianity. So in that way, you know, is, is in the workplace, is it, um, well, 70% of those in the workplace would be uh, Christian, the way, you know, looking at it that way. But we have a push from our government leaders, from media that pushes against Christianity, pushes against the Bible, and just religion in general. Even now, let me ask. Okay, so we we are here at our <coughs> off our uh, studio here in North Carolina. We're in the South. Do you think it's just a, a geographical issue? In other words, in our country, is it just a matter of in certain parts of the country there is intolerance towards those who would call themselves Christians, and the other area there isn't? How would that fit into the mix? Because we're looking at, and the question here is this, is this a major, across the board, cultural shift from a way of thinking about the Bible and God from years ago to today? So is it only a, a geographical issue? I would say it's amorphous. It, here we're, the Bible Belt is a real phenomenon. If you go around the Charlotte, the church is on nearly every corner mm -hmm. here. So it's certainly a reality here. Uh, around the other parts of the country, I think there could certainly be a lot more, a lot more secular in that regard. But even in the churches, even in the churches, they're becoming more and more secular in a lot of their views, as opposed to biblical authority, what they are trying to express and to get their uh, their congregations to embrace as their core morality is a sociological morality that is. Uh, humanitarian or, or, or I would say humanist based as opposed to mm -hmm. revealed knowledge from God and that's the shifting sands mm -hmm. they don't believe what God is saying they want to believe in what humanity is saying so are you saying let's say religion Christianity okay broadly speaking okay would has been brought pulled toward a more humanist secular way of thinking uh, so that someone like uh, Billy Graham, when he points to the Bible, uh, years ago would be given some sort of credence where he is today, uh, he's acknowledged, but uh, it is, the Bible is not looked to as an authority. And I'll tell by you, even people who consider themselves religious. Okay, that, I, I think that's this, a long uh, question. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. So, <laughs> but I think that this this question, this idea, idea that you're talking about, I think that's probably. I mean, my personal feeling uh, is that that's one of the reasons why there's been a reduction in numbers and that you know it's gone from 1990 whatever the the percentage of the US 87% or 89% I think I saw in one poll 89% of the US thinking of themselves as Christian of course going this more hum, hum, you know hum, human reasoning and secular uh, reasoning in the churches to try to maybe even gain more people to attract more people you know the this uh, Divergence and leaving the Bible behind, I think that that's probably why the numbers have decreased. Okay, so let's now shift gears a little bit. And I, I think we can argue then that our world is certainly a different place uh, than it was, let's say, 100 years ago, whether we talk about computers or we talk about, let's say, those who would call themselves uh, Christians. Um, but Let's take a shift here and say, well, where, where do we go from here? Where will it be in 10, 20 years from today? Will that shift continue? Or are we going to stay where we are? I mean, where are we going, uh, Mr. Wakefield? 
Oh boy, that's a good, that's a good question. I think we can consider that the trend is going to continue. You know, what we started off with was the idea of, well, Billy Graham, what does his death mark? And I think to many people it sort of marks the end of an era, the death of an era, which is the title of this, this program. Uh, it's, it's been going on for a long time, but it seems to be kind of a, a watershed in many people's time, uh, in m many people's minds. Who would you say would be the nation's pastor, America's pastor today? I can't imagine anyone who, who could be that, who, who could hold that position. That's because America doesn't really want mm -hmm. a pastor. Mm -hmm. yeah. We're moving more and more to the, uh, to the area of, into secular areas. I do think you can find churches that preach the Bible, they're here around, around town, mm -hmm. but there's been a large overall shift, shift, perhaps to a tipping point in society, mm -hmm. where people, oh, government officials can advocate the end of what he considers to be Christian supremacy. That is, by his, in th his thinking, the morality of Christianity as being dominant in society, which he thinks is an evil, and he describes it as such here in this article. I'm, I'm going you know, to play a little, I'm sorry, go ahead, Mike. Uh, just thinking about, you know, where we're going. Um, you know, there's a, a good book, um, This Suicide of a Superpower by uh, Patrick Buchanan. Um, powerful book, helps kind of articulate where the nation is going and why it's going <coughs> that way. You know, one of, one of the things it mentions in there is that religion, specifically Christianity, um, it concentrates the mind and uh, helps young people think about moral questions. Hmm. So, so you, take out the, you take that out, and now the young people not thinking about these moral questions anymore. It leads to positive social outcomes. You know, you take it out and there are not as the positive social outcomes go away. Young people are more likely to give to charity, do volunteer work, and be involved in social institutions. You take this out and these things go away. And there, there are problems that are associated with that if long term. But, but hasn't, there been, hasn't there been bigotry? Hasn't there been uh, abuse? that has been done in the name of Christianity, sure. that is better off gone. I mean, uh, perhaps, sure. as some people advocate, we ought to go to use the Constitution as our guide to moral behavior. So is it really a bad thing to uh, remove what has passed for Christianity from uh, the spot as guide for, for us? Well, political figures have always exploited Christianity and religion, for that matter, mm -hmm. for their own good. And yep. a lot of evil has been done in the, in the name of that. Um, if I could just take a minute, let's go back down to these bedrock, this where mm -hmm. our foundations on which we build things. And I mentioned the importance of the use of words. And people say, well, are we a Christian nation? And then they argue about it. Uh, a couple of words really help you think about this, this subject. Let me, let me give them to you. Um, one of them would be, and this is kind of highfalutin, but be patient with me here, pre-political ethic. There is a sense of right and wrong that pre precedes political action. And a good example might be if you think that taxation without representation is wrong, then you throw tea into Boston Harbor, we form a republic, and everything is good again. We had a sense of right and wrong, then we did something political about it. And even the small things like, is it wrong to run a red light? We pass a law against it because it's wrong in our, in our eyes. Well, the pre-political ethic of the United States Constitution, and this is not controversial. All legal authorities agree on this. Its pre-political ethic is Judeo-Christian. Mm -hmm. It arises from the Bible. 
That's why the Ten Commandments are found in, what, a dozen or more places referenced in the Supreme Court building because we've, legal scholars have known, going all the way back to English common law from which our laws arise, that the basic ethic that our laws and our constitutional, our First Amendment rights arise from this ethic. And I think a lot of people think that we may need to shift that ethic but in order to build a different structure on a different foundation. So uh, we are leaving that ethic, moving to a more secular ethic mm -hmm. that is defined by more humanist principles. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's what's going on. Mm -hmm. And it's played out in many different ways, like this phrase we just uh, I just read here a little while ago, um, the uh, Christian supremacy being an evil in the world and so forth. Uh, he's talking about the, the Judeo-Christian ethic from which so many of our laws arise. That's the huge shift, mm -hmm. and that is becoming a, in a state of normalcy in public policy today, as you can hear a high government official writing and, and, and speaking about this. Where will that take us then? Mike, you know, your okay, let's, let's think. Maybe um, down the road of loss of hope, no hope in our lives as a, as a nation. Um, opioid epidemics, that could be one thing. Let's say mass shootings um, in schools when children grow up. Why would that be connected to okay, the loss broken of down. Okay, broken down families because religion, Christianity, the Bible teaches good, healthy families, nuclear family. And that, that is certainly being attacked. That is the social unit, basic social unit of society, of a healthy society. Which, the, de and the definition for that comes from where? From man or from, oh, from another the Bible. place? Sure. So in other words, you're talking about definitions of right, That's wrong. Right. Um, mm. What are some other implications if we follow the, the dots on into the future of this route that we're taking? Any thoughts? Let's talk about big wave, long wave issues here. Let's say that American society, to follow up on your question, uh, uh, does away with the Bible, does away with the Judeo-Christian ethic in our thinking. Well, that leaves a huge gap. And you can already see people trying to fill this gap. Yeah. Uh, maybe with um, uh, environmental causes. That's wonderful. They're trying to do that. One cause after another cause. People are working to do this because I think they have a spiritual need that they're trying to mm -hmm. fill somewhere. But ultimately, one spiritual life can't be filled, I don't think, in the way people need by all of these different causes. It leaves them wide open to anyone who can bring uh, something that they truly can believe in to them. We could see a mass movement in a different direction at this point. Is it too late? Is it too late to save our culture? Hmm. Is you it know, too late to save our culture? We know what Bible prophecy tells us. And while God yells out in it, please turn, please turn back, it's clear that the only thing that will resolve it is the return of Jesus Christ. That's if the we, only. If we employed the, script, the scriptural principles, could we save our, our culture? I think we will 
employ the scriptural principles in the future in the kingdom of God, and it will transform our culture. Do you think it'll get worse? I mean, do you think even in terms of trying to, if you try to employ uh, scriptural principles, do you think that um, whether it's government or cultural peer pressure is going to become, become more intense? And I, I, we're trying to wind this up as we're running out of time here, but with some concluding thoughts here about where, where things are going. Um, if a person is to try to live by uh, guidelines from the scriptures, what is, what's, what's going to happen to them? You know, it, it's always difficult to change. It's always difficult to make a change in our life. In, in our life. But, boy, are you the better off for it. it. Living by biblical principles will lead to peace and happiness and joy and good things. There, there certainly are trials in life, but you know why those trials exist. You know what they're there for. And you have a future to look forward to, something that gives hope. I think it will lead to increased as you say, those are certainly right on as far as people personally, but overall in society, I think it will lead to increased division mm. within okay. society because uh, the, the people who are pushing the secular issues uh, are becoming more and more coercive in their approach to things, and other people are becoming more and more entrenched in their view of things. So I think we're going to see divisions for the time being increase dramatically in American society. Okay. Well, it's not too, much, too pleasant of a thought to end on, but uh, let me give you the last opportunity to give a, a ray of hope for us or for anyone who would want to try to live by the Scriptures. Um, can we do it personally, Mr. DeSimone? Sure, it could be done personally. I know I, I personally had to make changes in my life, and boy, my life went from a real problem to at least something good with, with hope and a future. Sure. Mr. Wakefield, the Christian way of life is a full, rewarding life. Mm -hmm. It's based on God's word, on God's law, and on Christ's grace and his redemption. And those who pursue that, uh, it, uh, there's great rewards for it for everyone personally, and we can change and live the Christian life, a great, rewarding experience. Okay, thank you. And thank you to our audience for being with us here today on TW Now. As we continue to look at news events, look at the current trends in our world, and uh, try to look at them through the light, through the lens of the scriptures as we go through each week throughout the year. Thanks very much for being with us. If you would take the time to like us, save us, add us to your, to your, uh, your, your playlist, uh, we would appreciate it. Glad to have you with us again, and good day to you. We'll see you next week.